Welcome to Working Girl Talk, the podcast for working women, where each week we cover the latest headlines the businesswoman needs to know about, and we chat to boss women making an impact in their industry. I'm your host, Abby Zufeld. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Working Girl Talk. Thank you so much for joining me today, and I hope you've had a great great week. I know I've been really loving this week because the new Twilight book came out. So 14 year old Abby, that version of me was very excited. (laughs) So yeah, it's been a fun week and we also have much to discuss this week because a lot has happened in this social media world and you know I love talking about it. So let's dive right in to this week's headlines before we get to our guest in today's episode. The battle of the social media platforms has officially began. So the biggest headline this week, and I'm sure you saw it just about everywhere, was the release of Instagram Reels. This new feature is basically IG swooping in on TikTok, as you may know. So they are, it's basically a clone of TikTok that lives on the Instagram platform. So in other news, since I always love talking about TikTok, last weekend there were talks of TikTok getting banned in the United States, but then it was granted a 45-day easement for any company currently working with TikTok to end their business dealings, but there's also talks that a company could potentially buy them. So there are talks that Microsoft can potentially be buying them then they'd have a U.S. owner and then they could potentially stay but it is being watched very close with all the security stuff so TikTok still going through a lot of drama but as of right now it still is around but Instagram did release reels this week which they said that was already in the works like nothing to do with the timing with TikTok and if we remember a few months ago when I first talked about reels I don't know if anyone remembers this but hopefully you do and hopefully you've been on ahead of the curve because of all this (laughs) but we talked about a few months ago so they have been planning this for a while but because it is an exact clone of TikTok it definitely is because of TikTok so who knows about the timing but it is here now and you can record videos up to 15 seconds long and add popular music as well as filters and effects so the biggest complaint I've heard from people is that they wish it could be longer than 15 seconds because that's the draw of TikTok it is longer videos not as long as YouTube but they are longer than 15 seconds. This is a good time to launch, right? Well, we will see. Instagram is coming actually late to the game on this. Already, several apps like Byte, which I've talked about before, Dub Smash, and Triller are trying to win over TikTok users with their similar products, according to The Verge and Axios. And it's true, like Byte, remember I reported a few weeks ago that they shot up in the app store because people were looking for an alternative to TikTok. So in one of Instagram's biggest rivals, Snapchat is reportedly testing a TikTok style design for exploring content. Bam. So everybody is trying to get into the short form video arena. And lest we forget that Instagram had previously launched a Reels-like product called Lasso. Does anybody remember this? That later shut down and executives told reporters on a call on Wednesday, according to The Verge, that it's hard to get a new app to reach mass adoption, which this is the reason why Reels is just a feature within Instagram and not an entirely new app. So there you go on that. That's why it's built in the app. And 
at first, did anyone have a little bit of trouble finding reels? I did. I was like, where does this live? Like I couldn't find out where it was, but it's just a feature like similar to how, where your IGTV lives. It's just like another section of your grid. Like you just click over to that and then you can see all the reels. Lots of interesting stuff. We'll see how this goes for Instagram already. I think their rollout of this was a lot smoother since they did enlist a lot of these like big time influencers to create content on their first before releasing it to the public. So then actually had content living in that area so that people could actually like view stuff. So already I think it's better than Lasso, RIP Lasso. Go get a bit of Google if you're curious. Like we remember Instagram, we remember. <laughs> so next up in other social media news, here's one for you. Twitter is thinking of having a subscription model. According to Search Engine Journal, they Twitter is thinking about doing a paid model that would give users access to exclusive features. Very much in the planning stages still, Twitter is now surveying users on what types of features they would like to get out of a paid account. So a guy tweeted out that Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, is surveying people and he screenshotted some pieces of the survey. The survey asks, for example, which of the following features would you most slash least desire? And it has a list of all these things. So people are saying that these could potentially be features in the premium Twitter membership. So we're going to go through a few. So one of the options on the survey was an undo send button. So a 30 second window for you to with call or withdraw tweet custom colors in addition to night mode, changing your background color, all that good stuff, video publishing. So you could publish videos up to five times longer than a current default and badges. So you would get a badge on your profile that links to your businesses to links to your businesses or your work. If you're a journalist, they use this as an example. If you're a journalist, you could have a badge showing the magazine you write for and then auto responses. So those are just a few in the survey. And like, obviously it depends how these surveys goes, if they would actually implement these in this paid subscription model anyway. But very interesting to think about all these features. I'm just like, why don't they just release those? Cause those would be nice. But here's my take. Twitter is a scary place to me. Like Twitter is not my favorite social media platform. So this subscription model does not appeal to me. But this is an interesting model because it would potentially allow Twitter to make money without advertising, which is the usual social media business model. So I think it's cool to explore this idea, just like another way for a social media platform to get money. I am curious how much of an interest there is in this. So question of the day, would you pay for a subscription membership on Twitter? Let me know. Next and last story before we get into our interview, The Verge reported this week that YouTube plans to discontinue its community captions feature, which allowed viewers to add subtitles to videos because it was, quote, rarely used and had problems with spam and abuse, end quote. That's what the company announced, and it says it's removing the captions that will focus on other creator tools. So the feature will be removed at the end of September and they said you can still use your own captions, automatic captions, and third-party tools and services. So The Verge reports that the deaf and hard of hearing creators say removing the community captions feature will stifle accessibility and they want to see the company try to fix the issues within with the volunteer created captions rather than doing away with them entirely. YouTube said, said in an email to The Verge that it would provide creators who have used the community 
contribution feature at least three times on videos in the past 60 days, they will give them a free six-month subscription to a subtitling service called Amara. My take. This is not a good look. So I am not super familiar with the YouTube platform. Like I'm not a YouTuber, but this does not sound good. So from the community that it affects and from everyone, this really affects everybody that Twitter is doing this and that people are upset. Not a good look. Also, I would love to learn more about when they say you can still use your own captions, automatic captions and third party tools like I guess like the extent of that specifically the second one like what are automatic captions like I guess what's why would you have these community created captions if you could have automatic captions so I guess that's my question but either way if people were using this tool for captions that is a really sad thing it's going away I'm not inclined to be more on the side of YouTube in this one because they in that sentence of oh use your own captions automatic captions or third-party tools from my experience i am continually shocked at how difficult it is to get closed captions on video content across all social media so like i said like i'm not super into youtube but if it's anything like instagram like i feel for these people because it is so hard especially in a day and age where i think everybody wants to be more inclusive and wants their content to be seen and heard by everybody it is really hard i don't know if you've ever tried to add captions to your video like my experience has been with like Instagram like an Instagram story I want to have captions on it it is so hard to find a service that will do it and a lot of these services are behind paywalls which definitely that's not the path of least resistance for people so most people won't do it but it is so beneficial to have captions on your content one because the deaf and hard of hearing community accessibility for sure like that's number one priority so that everybody can enjoy content but also most people do listen with the sound off so it's really beneficial for everyone to be able to see and read your captions So I'm just always shocked that it is that difficult. This is not a good look for YouTube. So hopefully they can improve the tools and get their creator studio a little bit more built out on this. So hopefully, and at least if anything, improve their automatic captions so that people don't have to rely on others um, creating closed captions for them. And so excited for our guest on today's episode. Let's get right into it. A little bit more about today's guest, Eve Dawes. Eve Dawes is a certified personal trainer, pageant queen. She was Mrs. Nevada, United States 2017. She is a WBFF pro fitness blogger and podcaster. She runs the Glamour and Gains podcast. She's a national judge with a wealth of knowledge and passion for performing, coaching, and empowering girls with a desire to be the best. That is not all though. She's also the founder of Dawes Custom Cosmetics. Based in Las Vegas, Dawes Custom Cosmetics offers a custom lipstick experience where you can create your own perfect, unique custom color lipstick and lip gloss that expresses your personality. Eve was fed up of wasting time and money searching for the perfect shade and texture of lipstick and lip gloss that wasn't full of chemicals and wouldn't dry her lips out or leaving makeup artists and not having the right shade to reapply later. So she set out to create a conscious company that was kind to animals, your body, and your skin. Sourcing and creating natural cruelty-free ingredients from the USA, so gentle, they're recommended by a triple board certified cosmetic and plastic surgeon. Bam. So we are going to talk all about this, all about starting her custom cosmetics line. I'm so excited. Please enjoy this interview with Eve. 
We're so excited to welcome Eve Dawes to Working Girl Talk today. Eve, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's so good to connect with you. Yes, I'm super excited. So right off the bat, can you give us just a really brief intro of who you are and what you do? Okay, I am the founder of Doors Custom Cosmetics, which is a cruelty-free luxury custom cosmetics line. I'm a WBFF pro diva and also a blogger and podcaster at Glamouring Gains by Eve. So a bit of everything. Yes, I love it. Get a woman who can do it all. <laughs> and you have a fellow <laughs> podcaster here, so that's always fun. I got into it about a year ago, so I've been really enjoying that journey and then just obviously making the blog then, you know, accessible to everyone and the visually impaired. So it's just been a really great outlet. Totally. I love it. So we're going to go back in time a little bit. I want to hear your story. So what was childhood like? Where did you grow up? Your emphasis in fitness, where did that start? So can you give us that deep background going back in time? <laughs> Honestly, I had a really, really happy childhood. I was really, really fortunate that my parents were so supportive of everything I did. So I grew up in a tiny village of like 3,000 people, uh, two pubs though. I mean, you've got to get the pubs in England, like old English pubs. And my parents, I would go to, I started dancing at the age of three because I was one of those super hyperactive kids. My parents thought like, that's a really good outlet for her energy and teach her some discipline. So that was really good. And then there were so many farms around us. So it wasn't something I had to think of like organic back then. The foods just were organic. My parents were, you know, they cook every day fresh food. So that's kind of how I was brought up. And then also dancing and being energetic and loads of after school activities, whether it was tennis or horse riding. And from the age of 14, I was going up to London to take my dance career further and to get more serious with the training. And my parents, again, were so supportive of that. So always very, very active in that. And the natural foods weren't something I had to think about literally until I moved to America. And I was like, grass-fed beef. And I, I don't understand what you mean, grass-fed beef. I hadn't seen anything or known anything except for cows being fed on grass. So that was kind of very eye-opening coming here and having to kind of learn how to source food correctly locally organically and all the rest of it but the fitness came so I'm trying to sum this up really quick but I've done oh, no, so because I'm old <laughs> as well eh? so, so um, from dancing I had a professional dance career taught all over the world and got into fitness because I wanted to find a way to help other people maintain their work their weight the healthy way without dieting without eating disorders without doing too much cardio, over-exercising, creating metabolic damage. So it's like, okay, let me just look into it and learn for myself and then I can share with others. So I did the whole personal training in London, my certification there. I worked for a while there before coming back to America. And I just wasn't, it wasn't really gelling with me, the whole personal training thing. So I got a I just didn't feel like I could reach enough people and it's so limiting and the hours are just so antisocial. So I was actually teaching at Holland America for the cruise lines in LA. So I was helping choreograph and put together the shows there. So that kind of gave me back into the dancing. So I was really missing it. And um, from there I was, you know, you start reading fitness magazines because you're always trying to learn. And I was seeing all these titles underneath like WBFF Pro, IFBB Pro. I'm like, what is this? How are people getting published? So that kind of is what led me into bodybuilding and competing. So I realized you really needed that pro title to be able to get published and to get out there and to, when people see it, it also gives you more credibility, right? So you're a NASM certified trainer in WBFF Pro, not just who is this random person putting out fitness and lifestyle content, right? Because why, why would I listen to you? What do you know more than me? So that kind of led me on the fitness journey 
journey to the blog and so realizing that fitness is really holistic it's not just about how you're training your body it's what you're feeding the body so that kind of led to the nutrition side and then the blog kind of diversifying to be at a bit of everything and then what you're putting on your body because the skin's the largest organ it absorbs everything you put on it so that kind of led me to looking into what I was putting on my face because queen of makeup love my makeup and most of it just isn't natural or the luxury brands are testing on animals still so it's like if I can't find a solution I'm just going to create my own which is why I started looking into ingredients and sourcing ingredients and creating my own so answered that problem which is how I founded Doors Custom Cosmetics where I am today. Perfect. I love it. Okay. That was like the perfect rundown. That was awesome. (laughs) Um, So I want to go back to being a professional dancer and kind of talk about that time a little bit. So your transition from being a professional dancer to getting into personal training, what was that like? Was it kind of scary to leave just that dance world alone or what was that process like? Yeah, I think for any professional athlete, it's very hard because it's not what you do, it's who you are. And it's something you're incredibly passionate about. So you don't just go and dance, right? You're a dancer. So you're eating it, like you're eating for a dancer to fill your body and keep your weight the right at the right place because we do weekly weigh-ins you're sleeping enough so you have the energy to perform the next day you're training enough so that you're always on point because there's so many auditions there's so much competition there's always someone younger and hungrier and more talented coming up underneath you so you have to always be on your game so it was like it was huge huge life change transitioning luckily I mean I had a course to go to and I was actually headhunted during the course by a fitness studio a celebrity training studio in London because kind of the instructors tell like the people coming in who they think is going to be top of the class and they filtered through so I had a job to go to which made it less scary but yeah it was a really really tough transition and I actually went back to dancing for two years after doing a year of personal training in London because I missed it so much and I realized I kind of stopped too young and was missing it so that's how I kind of went I did dancing personal training for a year and then back to the dancing for two years so yeah that was but it was, a, it was a good balance and it was a good kind of dip my toes out of the water so I could transition fully after retiring from dancing into something else. And I kind of had that personal training background as something to fall back on. Definitely. I love that. And then how was that process getting to America? Did you kind of go back and forth for a while or like when did you decide that you were going to stay here? Yeah, I've been coming back and forth since I was 19. It started by teaching in a stage school in New York. I actually had, was under contract with Vienna Festival Ballet, had the summer off in between seasons, was supposed to go back to Vienna Festival Ballet, but fell in love whilst I was in New York and didn't go back. And I started auditioning when I was in New York to try and find a job that was here so I could be close to him. That relationship didn't work out, but that's another story. But I was on the cruise ships dancing so that I could be kind of be close in America but not in America which I mean because I couldn't work legally in America at the time so I did that that's how I kind of ended up and from there after that the personal training was back to London and then at that time I met my husband now and I met him on a beach in Barbados and we started doing the long distance thing but he lives in America so (laughs) that's how I ended up over here through marriage that's awesome. <laughs> and I want to talk about like the fitness side of things because you're still uh, heavily involved in the fitness world and then going into that competitive field when you start competing. What's that transition like? Because being a fitness competitor is a, that's a process and that's a lot. So I guess what's the biggest learning lesson from that? 
It is. I mean, I feel like the discipline I had from dancing, the regime, it was so, it transitioned into that so well. It's like I was meant to do it. And it's all about creating symmetry and balance and beauty in the body. And that continued into the bodybuilding. But it's very, it's very all about you. So it's very, very tough to kind of concentrate on other people when it takes up so much of your time. And I'm one of these people, if I do something, I'm doing 110%. Like there is no cheating. There's no cutting corners. I'm full on. So with that, it was like, it was a very, very good learning experience for keeping the discipline going, which I loved for learning how to kind of eat healthily, actually, because from dancing, I had got into, and with my husband traveling a lot for work, I got into the habit of skipping a lot of meals. And I thought that was a way to keep my, my weight down, right? If I skip meals, if I eat less calories, I'm going to keep my weight down. But it wasn't because you can't just go in starvation mode. You create these bad habits, your energy's down. Bodybuilding taught me to have a healthy relationship to food with fuel for the body. So you actually eat six times a day. At one point I was eating 10 times a day because I was burning so much energy. Like my coaches would just feed feed me up. So it really, really, that's one of the biggest takeaways, which is having a healthy relationship with food. That is such a great insight. And I think that could apply to a lot of my listeners too, who are working women or entrepreneurs, because we do forget to eat a lot, which is funny, but like you're too busy doing something or oh, I have a meeting and you forget to eat. Yeah. And it's easily done. I feel like now I'm at home now, I definitely don't forget to eat because it's right there. But like you said, when you're out and about or you're working or you're going appointment to appointment, it is so easily done. And before you know it, it's like six, seven o'clock at night. Exactly. On like this fitness journey, I know a lot of people think that there's this, there's this misconception that like, oh, I just have good genetics. I was born that way, which is something that you kind of mentioned in this like pre-interview questionnaire that I always send out that you like, oh, you just get lucky and I will never be fit because I'm just not like that. What do you say to people that have that perception yes you can be a product of genetics but there's also those of us that look like we might be genetically one way but we're the absolute opposite so my family actually we struggle with obesity so my aunt died in her 40s of type 2 diabetes uh, diabetes caused by obesity my uncle passed away of obesity so it runs in our family and if i'm not on top of it i gain weight really easily and that's not something people see because i have to maintain it so much like if i want to because i think once you've gained like 10 20 pounds it's a lot harder to take care of when you're mindful of it and keep track of it and you gain three pounds like okay, i can easily well not easily but it's a lot easier to lose three pounds than it is 10 20 and just to create those healthy lifestyle you have it so like all my foods weighed at home like i prep my food for a month at a time and bodybuilding kind of taught me that like just to weigh my food and then i know i'm getting the right nutrients each day and it's easier to maintain my weight i train six times a week you know i'm not blessed with this body i work hard for it same as like most people in life you have to work hard in business to get to where you are yeah you might have a few lucky breaks but you're working hard that's why you're successful and it's the same with the body yes some people are genetically blessed i'm just not one of them so i'm in the gym doing faster cardio six times a week i'm lifting three or four times a week and I'm active in my daily life and I'm weighing my food. Like I have to do so many things to stay on top of it. So yeah, it's one of those really uh, touch points for me. If I like, if someone says to me, oh, it's just genetically blessed. I'm like, oh my God, you have no idea what's going on over here. (laughs) Oh man. Yes. I feel that. And that's interesting too, because I feel like a lot of the time on like social media, we just see the end product and like, no, like people do have to work hard for this most of the time. Yeah, I think people see me down with like my hair done, my makeup done, I'm in a dress because I'm not quite, I like being glamorous and girly and obviously having like the pageant background as well. It's like, it's hard for people to think of me like being in my sweats in the gym, putting in the time, putting in the work. 
So I want to talk about the motivation side of things, especially right now when everyone is at home and maybe you're just kind of feeling like that homebody and you don't want to do anything. How do you motivate yourself or like any tips for the working woman who's busy with work and how does she motivate herself to get active again or to stay active? Well, the first thing I always start with my clients before we set a goal so I can kind of know how far we can go with the goal is knowing how much work they're prepared to put in and that's by finding their why. And it has to be very, very specific. It's not like, oh, I want to lose 10 pounds. It's like, why do you want to lose that 10 pounds? Like, is it because you want to have more energy? Is it because you want to look better naked? Is it because you want to feel more comfortable in your own skin? Is it going to give you confidence? Why is it going to give you more confidence? Like, your why has to be bigger than your why not. Otherwise, in the morning when that alarm goes off, like 4, 5, 8, 6 a.m., whatever time it is, you have to make it work to do it before going to work you're not going to do it. It's way too easy when it's like cold out to just stay under the covers and snuggly or if you've had too many drinks the night before to not do it. So your why has to be so strong. So that's the foundation for anything for your motivation. It's not looking to other people for motivation. It's not looking to other people for inspiration. Yes, that's great. And it's good for like a, you know, a little push, but that's not going to be your root, your actual core of your motivation. You have to know your why. So true. I love that. And then along with that, and a very similar question, especially during these times right now, how do you avoid overeating? Any like tips or insight for people that struggle with that, especially now when we're home all day? (laughs) It is, I have to say that is definitely really, really hard. And then it gets a habit, right? I think eating falls into a habit. So the more we do it, the more we want, especially sugar. It's programmed like for your body to want more once you start feeding it that sugar. So the best thing I say is like, make sure you're drinking enough fluids because obviously when you're dehydrated, often we mistake that for hunger. So it sounds really obvious, but like drink your water first, drink a herbal tea. Herbal tea is like with stevia to make it sweeter. So it kind of like gives you that sugar, um, that sugary taste without the calories, but without the fakeness of like the sugar-free syrups. Like stevia is a really good fake sugar in a way that's a natural sugar that doesn't spike your insulin levels or spike your sugar levels, but gives you the same taste. So starting with the fluids and then just really trying to set a schedule for yourself if you fall into snacking it's just to not literally just find go go back to your why why am i not and like don't say i can't have it it's like i choose not to have it because this is my why like what is your goal why are you not having it because otherwise yeah you are going to eat it because it tastes good (laughs) and it's comforting right so find another thing that's going to give you that comfort so maybe it's doing a facial maybe it's a distraction of like listening to your favorite podcast or reading a book or putting the tv on for 10 minutes why like find your why are you eating and then your reason why not so good i love that and then for the working woman who's maybe at her desk all day or maybe doesn't have time for lunch or anything like that do you have a favorite like go-to snack like oh i love to eat this if i like need a little pick me up like favorite snack that's healthy yeah yeah i love I love Quest bars because well, I live in Vegas, so it's like 110 in the summer. So a lot of things aren't going to last in my bag. I mean, yeah, I do have like a six pack bag as well, which has a cooler in it and everything. <laughs> but when I don't have that, I've got a cute handbag. I normally have a Quest bar in it because they have like 20 to 22 grams of protein. It's around 180 to 220 calories, depending on the flavor you have. It tastes like a candy bar. So it's kind of giving you that sweetness, but it's like the nutrition that like it's really, really well balanced. So that's just really, really easy to grab and go. And you can eat it in like two minutes. So you can eat it in your car or, you know, at your desk. And it, you don't get smelly breath either. It's not like eating like a tuna sandwich at your desk. It's like you can pop into a meeting afterwards and you're fine. <laughs> that's perfect. Working girl talk approved. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Um, I wanted to dive into a little bit more about the podcast and the blog. So starting those out, did you have any like fears or like, was it already like, Hey, I know I'm going to do this. Or like, did you hit any roadblocks with that? Or how did, how was that process? So in the beginning, honestly, it wasn't something I was fearful of because I wasn't doing it as a career. I was just doing it for fun, as an outlet, as a way to try and meet, uh, reach more people because personal training is expensive. So I thought if I had the blog, I could put content out there that people could access for free. So free exercises, free nutrition, free recipes, and it was just fun. So I wasn't even looking at the SEO side. I wasn't looking at the technical side. It was just a janky so I don't remember what I was using as my platform back then. And it wasn't until I started working with a guy that does our marketing for sorority specialties, which is a clothing company we have, that I kind of got some more insights and he built me in my own platform or website. But I was like, oh, I don't want it to be my, my website. It just seems so vain. EveDoors.com is like, yeah, you have to brand under your name. I'm like, I don't like it. And it's like, you know, everyone telling you to do, oh, find your niche. So I was just doing fitness for women. I'm like, Sometimes these things are great and yes, they work for most people, but it didn't feel authentic. And I think that's the biggest thing. So I just kind of took it under my own wing. The names changed like three times. It was Angel V Devil to start with because I thought that was cute and it kind of represented the good versus bad, you know, voice that's in your head, like, eat the cookie, don't eat the cookie. But it didn't really make any sense and it was crap for SEO and no one got it. It's like, you shouldn't have a title that needs explaining. And then it was Fitness by Eve because it was just fitness. And then because it developed into this more holistic space, I kind of put it on Squarespace because it was WordPress, Squarespace, so both equally good. But Squarespace, because I was creating for myself, worked out really well for me to be able to create. And then the name literally changed probably, what, a year, 18 months ago to Glamour and Gains because... I was like bouncing ideas around actually with Lisa in the kitchen and we were trying to think of names. I love alliteration. I'm one of these people that like really poetic things. We like the glamour because we're both pageant queens and so it's doing beauty, but gains represented like the fitness side and the gains you get in your life from, from doing things, from taking these actions. So yeah, that's what we ended up with. <laughs> I love it. And I think that's cool because I think sometimes we get so scared of, oh, I have to fit in this niche, this box and this name. And once I do it, I can't change it. So sometimes people don't even start because they're so unsure. So I think that's a cool example that like, it's okay to change it up. Like keep going as long as you're doing it. Yeah. And I had one sponsor actually say to me once I changed the name, like, oh, we're going to pull our sponsorship because you're not, you don't have the same page views or uh, whatever rankings on the algorithm. You do. I'm like, actually I do. And I had to educate me. You have to push. If you change the name and you've got all these redirects, you have to send it and push it. Yes. To Google, to Bing so that it instantly populates again. Otherwise, yeah, you can wait like a year for some of these pages to get crawled. So after I reached out to them, let them know that I was like, okay, we were good with good to go so don't be afraid to do it it's absolutely fine to change your name people will find you (laughs) I love it we're all about growing and pivoting and I think that's a great example of that I want to talk about about the podcast specifically what's been the biggest learning lesson for you running a podcast oh that's a good one actually oh I think it's the intro pre-podcast and post-podcast emails I send to guests because I wasn't really creating one beforehand and I wasn't really following up afterwards to let them know how to promote it, right? So the idea is, yes, you get this killer content, but also from a more kind of like personal level, it 
for sales benefit, you've got to find out what using them to reach their audience. And if they're not sharing it, then you're not going to get any more listeners to it. So the way to grow the podcast is to having these guests and to have them share it. So that follow up email, I'm really, really structuring that and making it very, very easy for the guests to share along with artwork. Yeah, that's probably one of my biggest learning curves I've kind of developed recently. That's a great insight. And it's, I think that's perfect because it just kind of, it's one of those little things that makes all the difference. And it's something that applies to probably anything like even outside of podcasting, if you're working in social media or in a business deal, like follow up, like utilize that person while you have them. So I think that's a great insight. And if you haven't seen them follow up on their email, I always chase them up. I'm like, hey, have you, I haven't seen you share this. Have you had a chance to share it? You know, let's get more listeners to your episode so it does X, Y, and Z for you. Right. Don't make it about me. What is, how is it going to help them? And then also, I also say I give them the calendar link now to book their podcast after they followed the pre-podcast instructions. Perfect. So that I, I know that. that they've done it rather than like, oh yeah, let's schedule your podcast. And then they get there and they're completely unprepared and they haven't sent me their bio and they haven't sent me photographs of the blog post and I'm, like, and I'm chasing up and I'm, it was a waste of my time. So just having that in place beforehand, good time saver. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. That's awesome. We're all about saving time. <laughs> <laughs> And great content. <laughs> yes, yes, that too. And then I want to talk about Dawes Custom Cosmetics because I think that's super cool. Can you just talk about your, just explain it because it's super cool how custom it is. Can you just explain your company and like what it is, what you guys do? Yeah, so I wanted it to be more experience-based and product-based because there's a ton of lipstick companies, right? And gloss companies and there's even clean lipstick and cruelty-free lipstick. So how do I make it different and make it, give the power to the consumer, right? Not not just show them what they should be buying and give them like ready-to-wear collections. Like give them the power. What color do you want? What skincare do you want in there? Do you want more moisture? Do you want SPF? Do you want lip plumper? Do you want all of that? What scent and fragrance do you want? What do you want to call it? Like give them the power. So that's been really, really fun. And yes, it's cruelty free. It's natural. So it's safe for your skin and it's not just safe. It's actually taking care of your skincare concerns you were discussed with us and then the color how many reds were you mixing before to get the perfect red or how many how much money did you waste like throwing away i like probably had like 50 reds i'd like just spent i'd wear once but that doesn't work or i've mixed three and then your evening bag i'm not gonna take three lipsticks out tonight to do touch-ups so just really really creating that custom color for them that they're actually want and use and making that experience based whether they do it online with us or whether they come to the lipstick lab in vegas i will pour wine for them we'll sit and chat with them take pictures in front of the boxwood wall with them with our little props so just a super fun girly experience it's so cool I love it and then on Instagram you see you in like the lab coat and mixing up the <laughs> lipstick it's so cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah hair in a bun lab coat on gloves on it's fun oh, and I just ordered my face masks you know with my logo on so I can have like one person in at a time so <laughs> see it's all about pivoting you've got to find what works now because we used to be very it used to be bachelorette parties bridal parties which I know we'll get back to but right now it isn't we're not able to do that unless we do it virtually. So people can do Zoom calls with us. One mum can be in a house there, a daughter can be here, someone else can be there, and they can all Zoom together. So still kind of have that virtual party experience. But yeah, definitely more individual right now. Did you always know that you were like, oh, one day I'm going to have this lipstick line? Like, was there a defining moment? Like, hey, I should do this. No, it was literally the fact that I couldn't get, I loved luxury brands. And I was like, oh, they're testing on animals. I like, was like searching for one that wasn't. Like, you know what? 
and I wanted to create, I wanted to create a new business. I wanted to invest in something new. I've always been like the last 10 years since like getting married to my husband, because I'm having a business with him, I've been very, very business oriented and wanting to get that going. And I can't found something I was really passionate about that I really believed in until it was, it was like an aha moment. I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. It solves this problem. I am passionate about it. I love makeup. And it's an experience I think will work. I can create memories with people. So yeah, it's just like everything I've been for like my whole life, everything I've been doing just fell into place with this company. Do you have any tips to find cruelty-free brands? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the easiest ways is to look for the Leaping Bunny logo. It means it's Leaping Bunny certified, but smaller brands can't always afford to pay for that logo because you have to pay for the usage, but they'll still be listed on their website. So the best way to do it is just to go to Leaping Bunny, go to their website, and then you can search for brands on there. If you're on Sephora, you can search by cruelty free, cruelty free kitty list brands, ethical elephant list brands. But yeah, the best way, or if you don't know, and a lot of companies, it's weird because you think it'd be like one of their number one USPs aren't listing it on their website and I'm like you have to email them like are you cruelty free like well, yes we are I'm like what? promote that that's what I want to look for so if you can't find it on their website you can't find the Leaping Bunny logo don't assume they're not if you really really like their product I would say reach out to them and if not then yeah there's plenty of companies out there that are Love it. That's great insight. And then for something like kind of like an industry that you maybe didn't know that much about, you come from the fitness and dance world. How did you like learn the ropes of starting a cosmetics line? I found a mentor <laughs> <laughs> and I racked their brain and I found out who to source from. And then a lot of it is research to find obviously your packaging and then working out the legal compliances, like talking to different people who can guide you because a lot of the companies that are doing the packaging can't give you legal advice so that you have to work out for yourself or talk to lawyers or you know there's so many so many each like each time you get to an exam you you find another legal um way you have to work through things like the insurance so with caesars and with all their concierge desks i needed a massive insurance umbrella to be with them so that was another you know so each you're doing but it's great it's kind of like it's a learning as you go experience and that's why I tread very slowly very softly because there are a lot of legal compliances with this and I don't want to put one foot wrong but yeah definitely having a mentor working with other brands has been really really helpful CEW is a great resource for it as well Perfect. I love that. And I think that's a good example of that. Like if you want to start something, it's possible. I think a lot of people are too afraid to even start because they don't know any, like maybe they don't know anything about the industry, but perfect example of, Hey, just find someone who does and start working. Yeah. (laughs) And sometimes it's trial and error. So when I was first melting the waxes to make it portable, I was like, I can't take a microwave around with me to melt the waxes. That's ridiculous ridiculous i was lugging around this 60 pound thing so i had to source i'm not going to tell you what it was so i don't give it away to the competitors or people but i had to source a way of heating um the waxes and melting them down and then find the elements that go within the elements and then products that would withstand that heat to melt the waxes in where plastic couldn't melt into the wax so there's you know you have toxic poisoning when you're making these natural products so yeah just lots of them lots of speed bumps but you work through them and that kind of that sense of achievement by solving it for yourself rather than being given a cookie cutter plan has been really rewarding love it 
Something I thought was interesting that you mentioned before this was talking about like the different phases of your business. And when you start out having like that money set aside that budget, because you may not be making money in the beginning, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You just have to make investments. Can you talk about that kind of like that evolution of when you're starting out? Yeah, absolutely. I think everyone has different ideas of where they're going to start. So I started literally with the website and minimal products because also I'd invested a lot in the training and the mentorship. So with the products and everything else, I, it wasn't, I didn't have overheads. So when you start making money and you're rolling it back into the company to making it bigger. So now I have the lab, right? So I had to pay the rent. I have to put the lights on. I have to employ I have an employee I have to furnish it I have to have more products more stock I did the packaging to sell it to be legally compliant because I was trying to be green and just sell it in the tubes you have to have secondary packaging and it has to list the ingredients so suddenly your expenses are adding up which means you're not taking a paycheck for yourself unless you're making huge amounts of money from the outset but I wanted I'd rather be rolling it back into the company so I haven't taken a pay a paycheck out of that company for two years because I've just been rolling it back in and investing so you can't be afraid to do that and just trying to pay yourself because that way you can't grow. And if you're not seeing instant profit because you're doing that, it's not something to be scared of. Yes, I'm not saying like don't run into debt. Don't that like you. I have more. I have multiple income sources, so I'm not. You know, I keep. As long as I'm not running that company in debt and I'm just making, you know, maintaining everything, it's fine. I'd say just don't quit because most businesses take a long time to see profit or to turn over if they're trying to grow or anything like that. So I feel like I'm kind of like I'm going on a tangent here, but I just think it's so important not to quit unless it's obviously not working. If you're seeing sales and you're getting positive feedback, keep going. Awesome. I love it. Your podcast is really cool because it's little tips and tricks, like kind of like the things like, Hey, like how to make your blonde hair blonder or good beauty products, stuff like that. It's really cool. So I wanted to ask you, what are three beauty products? And you can get specific here that you can't live without, like your top three recommendations that you love. So um, with the hair, yeah, Olaplex. I feel like to try and get my hair long because I do like to dye it blonde. I have to like, I love the Olaplex, the three, four, five, six I have at home. I get her to use one and two in the salon. It's vegan. It's cruelty free. That's really helped to grow it and prevent breakage. That's number one. Number two, my image skincare. I don't know which product from there I would have to pick. If I did one, probably their vitamin C oil just because living in the desert I mean it's just you have to hydrate 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 and that's probably the one of the most hydrating things for my skin I even mix it in with my moisturizer in the day for extra hydration mm, third one my miracle I'm gonna do a plug but I can't live without it and even like the guy employee I have uses it and swears by it and that's my miracle hydrating lip plumper because it hydrates the lips and it naturally plumps them by encouraging collagen production so it smooths out the fine lines it helps with aging all the good stuff yeah so they're my top three love it that's awesome I love it I was like I have to ask her because the perfect person <laughs> to ask <laughs> love it what has been the biggest lesson for you as a business owner and entrepreneur not be overwhelmed especially when you're creating a new business it can be very overwhelming and you might not know how to go to think I never thought about makeup companies I didn't think you'd be able to compete with the big names and you're like I don't know how to make makeup. How am I going to start a makeup company? So I'm just giving you an example. It could be anything, but you have to like reverse engineer, right? So to get to that end point, what are the steps I need to get there? What is my end vision? And then just break that really, really back down, back down to basics, draw back, draw it all down. And then 
work on each step one step at a time don't try and do 10 at a time 20 at a time try and jump steps ahead because you'll miss something it's like really really to work methodically and patiently through that and in saying that make sure you have a budget so you have enough money to get you through that time period sure we all dr- we we have days where we try and do too much and we're juggling and we do drop balls that's why i just think it's i, lo- I have my to-do lists and i work my way through my to-do list and there's always another 10 things after i've checked one off but at least i have some kind of order are you ready to head into the rapid fire round oh gosh yeah <laughs> sure let's do this <laughs> have a <Awesome>. coffee <laughs> Awesome. Okay. So I am going to either do like a fill in the blank or this or that, and just say the first thing that comes to mind and chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Always first thing that comes to mind. (laughs) And then feel free to elaborate on it too. So you can share more about it. So first one, morning person or night owl? Morning person. Next one. My first job ever was as an assistant ballet teacher. Oh, I love that. (laughs) The first thing I do in the morning when I wake up. Put my gym clothes on and go to the gym. Before (laughs) breakfast, before emails, just do it, get it done. Frames the day. My favorite person to follow on social media. Lorna Lux. She's the reason I spend so much money on clothes and accessories. (laughs) I had to unfollow her at one point because it was getting really bad, but I can't help myself. (laughs) Love that. And then I have blank at my desk always. My cat, <laughs> he will not leave me alone. He's biting my arms, nudging my hands, head-butting me, stealing my pens. Yeah, he's always on my desk. <laughs> um, if somebody- not in the lab, let me clarify. Oh, not, with- oh. <laughs> <laughs> <At home>. <laughs> <Yes>. not the lab. <laughs> hey, have some fairy lipstick. <laughs> so if somebody is new to your podcast, what would be a good episode for them to start to get a taste of it? Probably the one year anniversary episode because I had nine guests on and they're all giving different tips. There's fitness, there's fashion, there's beauty. So there's something for everyone. And if you don't like it, fast forward five minutes to the next guest. (laughs) Perfect. That is a good one. And do you have a favorite book, resource, podcast, website, something that has inspired you that you'd want to share or that's made an impact on you? The podcast I listen to every day is Mad Money. I feel like when I'm listening to that, I'm also getting the news of the day with less politics and more factual. And I, I do a lot of stock trades, so I really enjoy that as a podcast. The best advice I've ever received. If you're not growing, you're dying. So I know it doesn't sound like direct advice, but it is. It's just advice to keep doing something, keep learning, keep pushing for education, keep trying to grow every day. So if you're not growing, you're going backwards. You have to keep evolving. Love that. And last one, I am inspired by blank. My life's goals. Well, you survived the rapid fire round. (laughs) Um, Where can everyone follow you, keep up with your company, all that good stuff? So my company is Doors Custom Cosmetics, spelled like my name. I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. Uh, the blog is Glamour and Gains by Eve. The podcast is Glamour and Gains. And then all my social media is at Eve Doors. Perfect. Thank you so much, Eve. Thanks for having me. And I'm a DMer, so message me, comment me, I'll always message back. Thank you so much for listening to Working Girl Talk today. Last but not least, every Friday I give my Friday favorite of the week. 
And of course, I would love to say Midnight Sun because I'm already obsessed. And all my Twilight people, you know, you've watched my Instagram stories. I've been obsessed. And I, my friend Diana, who was actually on the show, had a little small get-together Twilight-themed, and it was amazing. So that is definitely a Friday favorite for sure. But I also saw a quote this week that I wanted to share. So Natiana Creates on Instagram. I discovered her through the Creating Cultivate account. She did an Instagram Live with them. On her Instagram this week, she posted a quote. Don't market your business like it's optional. That way getting paid isn't optional too. Boom, mind blown. So, so good. I think it's just an important factor to really take your business, your passion, your job, whatever you are wanting to grow and excel in to really take it seriously and to market it and to know that you deserve to get paid and rewarded for it. So loved that. Thank you, Natiana Creates. Make sure to follow her on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to Working Girl Talk today. If anything resonated with you today, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Those reviews mean so, so much, especially in the podcasting world. They help us get seen by more people. And also subscribe to the show if you haven't. And if anything resonated with you today, make sure to copy the link to this episode, share with a friend, and screenshot while you're listening and share and tag at Working Girl Talk so we can see you and we can share the love as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Have a great week. I will talk to you next week.